0: hello and welcome to guru please the show about pushing the limits of life and stepping up to live with more meaning more purpose and more passion i'm your host jessica sun i'd like to introduce sean walshiff sean is a restaurateur and founder of cali barbecue media he started operating his family restaurant cali comfort barbecue in east san diego county in 2008, like a media company. And now he teaches small business owners how to master online media to thrive. Welcome to the show, Sean.
1: Thank you for having me on.
0: So let's get started by talking about what it takes to operate a restaurant right now during COVID.
1: So operating a restaurant during COVID, um, that's a great question. We on March 17th, 2020 was the stay at home, official stay at home order uh, by Governor Gavin Newsom in the state of California. So any full service restaurant or full service bar um, had to close their dining rooms for delivery and takeout only. And this is something that we had seen coming. It's also something that we talk about on a weekly basis, which is, you know, kind of the evolution of digital hospitality. So no matter what business you're in, you have to have a business that has an e-commerce component. You have to be able to sell something that you do, whether it's a product or a service, you have to have a presence on the internet. You have to have a presence on your website. So that's where you generate the sale, but you also have to have a presence on social media because that's where people are. So we had a huge advantage given that we opened our restaurant in 2008 in a very undesirable location as far as real estate goes. So we're East County, San Diego, and 2008 was another economic recession and a lot of people said that that wasn't the best place to be. First of all, it wasn't good to be getting into the restaurant business and it wasn't good to open up a restaurant in the location that we were choosing. But um, it turns out to be a big, one of the biggest blessings because after, for 12 years, we spent so much time learning how to use digital marketing, learning how to use social media, learning how to do our own website, update um, things on WordPress to create a Facebook page, to claim our Yelp business page, to create photos using our iPhone, create videos using our, our iPhone as well, um, create a YouTube page, start a podcast. It really forced us to do things that a lot of other restaurants, at least in our market in San Diego, didn't do, um, which really prepared us for COVID-19. When COVID-19 came, it was difficult to lay off half of our staff. I laid off 27 employees, servers, bartenders, and hosts primarily. Unfortunately, we haven't gotten to the point where we've been able to hire them back, but the current staff that we have had on have been doing an incredible job really transforming our business into what it is now, which is we haven't opened for, for dine-in. Um, a lot of the restaurants in the last two weeks have opened back up for dine-in, um, but we've redone our model so that it's actually more profitable for us to operate as we are now, even with less sales because we're doing it through the internet, because we're doing it through social media, because we're doing it through our website. And um, it's really exciting. It's a really exciting time for us when I know a lot of restaurants are suffering, a lot of small businesses are suffering, a lot of huge industries are suffering because they're starting to understand that the smartphone, the thing that we have in our pocket, can really connect us to anywhere on earth. And we don't need to go through traditional methods in order to produce ideas um, sell things to give information out. And if you give quality information that's meaningful, um, that connects, that resonates, that solves an issue for somebody, there's a market for that. And people will go directly to that. And those businesses are going to be the ones that that really win in this new digital age.
0: I think it's remarkable that you've been able to become more profitable in this time. And as you said, you've built yourself over the past decade or more in terms of you know, having that social media, having accessibility to to your audience online, because that's that's essentially where people are and where people are looking. How have you managed to be more profitable?
1: You know, I think it's just, it's an evolution of a broken business model. You know, the full service restaurant model, we operate on very thin margins. So um, in order for us to give what we like to say a five-star Yelp review experience, In order to give that kind of hospitality, we have to invest in an incredible experience. That means hiring a hostess that's there every time that we're open. So everyone's been to a restaurant during a non-peak hour where there's a sign that says, please seat yourself. There's a reason why there's a please seat yourself sign. It's because operationally, it doesn't make sense to have an actual human at the front of the restaurant during non-peak hours. Well, for us, we decided very early on when we first opened that because our restaurant's laid out in a way that if you walk in, it would be very unwelcoming. Actually, any restaurant, any store you walk in where somebody doesn't say hello, it almost feels like you're inconvenienced by the staff. Like if you're asking for something, but when you welcome somebody when they come to the store and you're eager for them to be there and you're eager to be helpful, it's a completely different experience. So we spent more money on having a host at our front during all, every single hour, every single minute that we're open, there's a host that's there someone that will answer the phone, somebody that will smile when you walk in, somebody that will open the door for the elderly. That's an investment that we're making knowing full well that it's going to cost us extra money and we will be less profitable in order to do that. That model requires us to also have extra servers, extra bartenders, because you go there, you go to a, a, a restaurant that's very busy, very crowded, and you wonder why is it taking so long to get a refill on my iced tea? Why is it taking so long for me to get my check and all of those different touch points make you make micro decisions on where you're going to spend your money, where you're going to take mom for her birthday, where you're going to go out with the grandkids. All those decisions, the most important thing that we all have right now is time. Digital's changed time and changed operationally so many different businesses in a way that taxi cabs never thought that Uber would would dominate them the way that they have. But why? It's because we want to know, when is my cab coming? If you call for a taxi cab, the customer service is terrible. They treat you like you're an inconvenience. You have no idea when the cab's coming. When the cab comes, he's upset. Uber, somebody actually, I know exactly when they're coming. I see it. I see their car on my phone. I watch them come. I get ping notification when they're there. I get in the car. I don't even have to hand them paper money. They get charge it to my card. That's the world that we 're living in, and so many businesses right now that are succeeding are understanding that they have to evolve to that and it's not easy, but the more micro steps that we can take and, that, and that's really the exciting thing that's where the opportunity is. So many young people don't know what they want to do with their careers they don't know uh, you know what do I want to be? do I want to start a business? do I want to work for a company there's so much need for digital talent and creative talent that If you love Instagram, or if you love to take photos, if you love to take video, if you love to speak on camera, there are businesses in every single industry that will need that. They may not even know that they need that, but that will be what's moving forward. If you can do graphics, graphic design has never been more important than right now because visually on the internet, what's working is audio, video, and written word. Can you write? are you a great writer? Guess what? There's plenty, even though newspapers are going out of business, there's plenty of businesses that are creating blog content that's driving traffic to their site. That's actually going to be very valuable to a company, not just small companies, mid-sized companies and big companies.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. There's a lot of shit, like in this digital age, you need to be on top of your online profiles, your you know online visibility your speed and it's maybe less about the in-person experience and more about your digital experience the full package there
1: well it's 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 important what you said it's it's not just about the digital experience but if you think about it so much of what we do as humans is we're vetting locations digitally before we do physically so it's not about replacing the physical element, which is what people think. Oh, when, they're, when you think digital, you think, oh, it's all about automation. It's about getting rid of jobs. It's actually not. It's about understanding that if I go to visit a town and I go and I stay in a hotel with my wife, we're going to look on our phone and either go on Google Maps for what's local and restaurant, or we're going to go on Yelp and whatever businesses are around there. I'm not going to go to the concierge anymore. My concierge is my smartphone. My smartphone is going to tell me, it's going to crowdsource where's the best place through these different platforms. And if the place hasn't updated their photos, they don't have updated hours, they don't deliver to my hotel room, uh, chances are with young kids now, especially, I'm going to pick someone that's going to make it convenient for us so that I can enjoy my time, you know, on vacation or on business.
0: Right, exactly. And, you know, you started this restaurant in 2008, Correct. Yeah. Walk us through why you chose that exact time to do that and then why you chose that location and how you figured all these things out about digital hospitality.
1: You know, I think a lot of what's happened in life is being unconventional and doing things kind of, um, you know, what you're the core of your show is, is you understand that there's conventional wisdom and then there's unconventional wisdom. I've never found myself to be part of the herd. So if there's a group of people that are going towards one way. I want to know why are they going that way, but I don't want, like, the only reason I would go with them is to understand why they're all going that way. That doesn't mean that's where the answer is. That just means that's where the interest is, uh, which is a huge, a, a huge difference for me. I want to know what's happening on these different platforms. How are people building their online profiles? How are they driving traffic? which you can get now analytically, which you couldn't get with traditional marketing. Traditional marketing, I would pay money for the newspaper ad, and they would tell me I'm delivering half a million newspapers to all these residents, and you get page three, and you get a quarter-page ad, and it's going to cost me $2,000. Well, how many people came in because they saw that ad? Literally, unless it's a coupon that they cut out, is the only way for me to know, or unless someone says, I saw you in the local San Diego paper. If not, I have no idea. If I give money to Facebook, or if I give it to Yelp, or if I give it to Instagram, I have analytics that directly back where that actual click came through. And if they click to our website, did they actually click and buy something? I mean, that that's so very powerful. And those—the only way that I learned how to do that was out of pure necessity. So why did we open the restaurant? I mean, it 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 came out of an opportunity. I was in real estate, um, doing residential and commercial real estate, and we had an opportunity to take over an existing. Liquor license, which meant that we'd have to operate a business. And we weighed the pros and cons. There were a lot of cons, but there was also a lot of pros, which were even though everyone told me not to do it, um, even though people said we were going to fail, I knew that there was an area in San Diego that was underserved. And if we did it and we did it right, there would be not just an opportunity in the restaurant space, but an opportunity in the storytelling space. And the storytelling space is always. to be something that's different like how is somebody in spring valley a single unit restaurant able to make relationships with so many different local media outlets to get so many different articles written in the new york times thrillist and all these different food related articles build relationships through a podcast the only reason the only way we did it was by doing it like you have to do it know that does it make sense to start a podcast Probably not. Not if you look at the ROI, 99% of podcasters don't make money doing. it, But the 1% that do are the ones that stuck with it and that improved their craft after every single episode. They learned how to start creating video content. They learned how to start creating written content from the actual interviews that they were taking. That's how Joe Rogan got to be Joe Rogan. Tim Ferriss got to be Tim Ferriss. Why do you think so many people are getting into the podcasting space? Because it's audio storytelling. If you're talking about something that's compelling, something that changes somebody's outlook on life, that gives them an idea to think bigger than what they're currently thinking, people are compelled by that. It it moves people. The reason I started podcasting was I started listening to podcasts. Well, nobody's talking about barbecue business. Nobody's talking about marketing in restaurants. We can do that. We failed plenty at doing that. Let's just start talking about all the stuff that we failed doing. That's where we are. And that's, uh, that's the thing that gets me really excited.
0: Yeah, like you've been doing a lot of creative things that most restaurants don't do. You've created partnerships with sports teams, gotten media coverage, press, organized large events, barbecue festivals. Where do these ideas come from?
1: By staying curious. You know, my grandfather, who's my greatest mentor, he passed away in 2008, but he raised me as a a son and he was born in a village in Bulgaria in 1919. So he was born, he was born to be a farmer and because he was born to be a farmer, his whole life was already set out for him. But there was one teacher that came to his village and he was actually an American teacher and he taught the kids there a love of reading. And he taught my grandfather specifically that curiosity. And because my grandfather read every single book in his village and every single book in that library, he had to go to another village to get more books. And I can only imagine now having had him raise me, having worked to self-publish his own life story. If a boy in the same village in Bulgaria across the earth had access to the internet, he wouldn't have to go to another village to get more books. He could literally learn from podcasts, from YouTube, from Google searches. He could become a medical doctor without ever having to leave his village. He'd get a Harvard education without having to leave his village. And that's the power of the internet. It doesn't discriminate. You know, once you have access to it, that's access to information. And you choose what you want to listen to. You choose what compels you. You choose what you think about when you go to sleep at night. If you want to be better at podcasts, if you want to be better at making barbecue, if you want to be better at business, if you want to be a better attorney there's resources out there of people that are sharing their ideas on the internet that can only help you if you, if you choose to to follow them.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it's a really touching story that it kind of harkens back to your grandfather in terms of kind of how you live your life as well. Tell me a little bit more about raised as the child of an immigrant and like how you connect to that culture.
1: So my grandfather's Bulgarian and, you know, I, I never met my father. My mom had me when she was young. She was in nursing school in Colorado. And um, when my grandfather found out that, uh, that I was born, uh, I was six months old. And he said, you know, I, I really want you to bring Sean back to San Diego um, so that I can help raise him. My mom came back from nursing school. My father decided not to be in my life. So I never met him. I've seen two pictures of him, but, you know, I couldn't be more blessed to have my grandfather a Bulgarian. And my grandmother, who he never married, so she's not my blood grandmother, but she might as well have raised me. She's she's Japanese, you know. She was Japanese. She passed away, but you know, being raised by someone that's Japanese and someone that's Bulgarian in a predominantly white privileged neighborhood of La Jolla really made me different than a lot of the other kids. I mean, I, I'm I'm white, but I'm also privileged in the fact that I'm going to a private school, but I was raised with values old school values you know my grandmother she taught me early on that you have to be a gentleman and you know in the japanese culture it's very important that if somebody invites you to somewhere that you bring them a gift and i remember being a young boy and getting invited to friends houses and my grandmother always made sure that i brought a gift for the family and i remember back then when i would bring a gift like the mom and the dad they couldn't believe that somebody brought them a gift to say thank you you know, as a sign of hospitality. And that was something that it was just, it was part of who I was. It was part of how my grandmother raised me, but it also made me different. It made me different in a way that, you know, my grandfather, it was very important for him that I understood where our family came from, that I learned, you know, his journey, his struggle, um, having to not, he didn't get into medical school in Bulgaria. There was a lot of politics. And if you weren't rich, um, then you probably didn't get in. So he didn't let that deter him. He applied to medical school in Germany. He didn't even know German. So he had to have somebody help him translate the application so that he could go to medical school. And he was in Heidelberg and in Berlin during World War II. So literally, while Germany's at war with the rest of the world, he's there trying to study medicine in a language he doesn't know. Um, So for me... Having heard those stories, having asked more about those stories, it helped me really look at myself and go, "There's not much for me to complain about. you know there's not much when you look at what's what's my family been through to give me the opportunities that I have, and you know, growing up in La Jolla in a place that's very privileged, that has a lot of um, wealth, it's I would listen to friends you know who are my same age or older or younger, and the things that they're complaining about were just beyond minuscule compared to what my grandfather had gone through. And I think that's something that it's so valuable. And I think it's lost a lot in American culture. We don't have the respect for the elderly that I think we should have, especially as younger, you know, as powerful as the internet is, that's almost given us a false confidence in Mm -hmm. that the information that our, our ancestors have and that our elderly have, it's very valuable. It's firsthand information, Mm -hmm. you know, and I, I think a lot of the problem too is that, We get used to the stories that we've always heard at the dinner table or at Thanksgiving or at Christmas, but we never ask follow-up questions. You know, we never ask questions. We always assume the story, listen to the story, and then even get to the point where we roll our eyes when we hear the same story. Instead of rolling our eyes, instead of going, oh, I've already heard that, if we start acting like a journalist or acting like an attorney would at a deposition where you're acting. Asking questions, compounding questions for your grandparents to clarify what did they mean, all of a sudden you realize, "Oh my God, there's this depth. I had no idea Grandma went through that. I had no idea Grandpa went through that. And it gives you a level of respect that, you know, frankly, is lost. But that's the cool thing, is if somebody listens to this podcast, immediately, these stories can be recorded. You don't need to have fancy equipment. You can take your cell phone and put the video and ask grandma, hey, you know that story you told me? Do your own research. Find out what else was happening and go, oh, well, what was happening when this happened? And then that will jog her memory or your grandfather's memory to say, oh, my God. Yeah, now I remember this was happening. And you realize a whole part of your culture, your life, your traditions that you would have never known that you can now pass on to your kids. hmm
0: yeah I mean it's just such a powerful feeling knowing that these stories are are hidden, but they're just all around us and the people around us
1: They're right there yeah,
0: yeah. It sounds like having like a, a wider perspective and being grateful for for what you have is really important to you.
1: Yeah, gratitude is something that I mean the grass is always greener. it's so easy to you know especially in our digital world to see people living living their best life, quote, unquote, you know, taking selfies on whatever, whatever you think the best life is, you can follow it and you can aspire to be it, which is good, but it also can be bad. It's so important to be grounded, grounded in gratitude. And I think that's, you know, goes back to mindset. It goes back to improving on yourself every single bit, every single day. And um, I'm fortunate that because of my grandfather, because he's shared so much with me, Once he got to the later stages and don't get me wrong, like when my grandfather, when I was young, he was working so hard. He only got to the point of really sharing so much depth of his life. Once he started writing his own book, because he wanted to share his stories. So once he started going to writers conferences, reading books on how to share your story is once he started developing the depth and richness to all those stories that he had told us for so long. But brought me into the way because I helped him with it. And then it made me start to understand that, you know, I should be grateful. I should be grateful for no matter what's going wrong in our business. If, you know, I have to lay off staff, like that's terrible, but there's much worse things that are happening. The staff that aren't working, I know that they're doing fine. They're getting unemployment. They're going to have opportunities and they're some of the best people in hospitality. You know, hopefully we're going to be able to find a position, a different position for them, but given, my grandfather studying medicine during World War II, when there's so many bombs that are happening, literally killing people. It's, it's really it could be much worse.
0: Yeah, most definitely. How do you kind of maintain that kind of self-improvement and being grounded and kind of reminding yourself that Instagram isn't real life?
1: <laughs> Recently, actually, is what I started doing is a, a practice called Sunrise Gratitude. So, every single day when the sun comes up, um, i'm going I go for an hour to really do a reflection on mind, body, and spirit. So, as long as I'm outside, I don't have strict rules, so I don't force myself to run you know five k. It's either running, walking, hiking biking, you name it, I'm outside when the sun comes up and it allows me kind of personal time for myself, my own reflection to know that every day the sun's going to rise. It's also a way to be thankful for my wife, thankful for my children, thankful for my business. Mm -hmm. And then whenever something happens during the day, I can always go back to the fact that tomorrow I get to begin again. Nunc copi is in Latin means now I begin, which is the same philosophy as every single day is a day to restart. So, a day to get 1% better. Um, I was, you know, I I loved Kobe Bryant. I never met Kobe Bryant, but his Mamba mentality, Mm -hmm. improving yourself a little bit every day, is something that it transcended basketball. I mean, when we lost him, so many people on the earth knew about it, knew about his story because a lot of the storytelling that he did. Um, He opened himself up as a dad, as someone that cared, as somebody that was bigger than basketball. And I think that's something that. You know, that Mamba mentality being relentless is, is that self-improvement. It's the same mindset that my grandfather had. You know, he was more of the, 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 the Bulgarian Mamba He, in his own way. He, he, every single day, he wanted to be a little bit better. So he would, I would wake up in the morning and he had been up, you know, since four in the morning reading a book about real estate, even though he was a medical doctor. Why are you reading a book about real estate? It's like, I want to improve my mind, improving your mind, body, and spirit every day. Um, I think those, those things have helped me uh, with gratitude.
0: Mm, gotcha. You, um, you own a sports bar, and you've been sober for for many years now. I'm curious about like your thoughts on sobriety and like your, your experiences there.
1: So I, I think, you know, one of the things, especially in American culture that we don't talk about a huge stigma goes around alcoholism, every single person in every family knows someone directly, or knows a family member, a friend or as witness has witnessed some sort of alcoholism or abuse, drug abuse. And it's something that's not talked about, um, you know, especially during family gatherings. We all know that you know, the bigger the family gathering, the chances of alcohol- alcoholism doesn't discriminate. It doesn't matter how much money you make, how little money you make, what race you have, what background you have, what religion you are. Alcoholism is something that's worldwide. It happens in Bulgaria just as much as it happens in America. But for me, it was you know, understanding that I, I had a problem um, I considered myself a Hall of Fame drinker. So I was one of the best. I, I mean, I own a sports bar. Uh, everything that I do, 30% of our business is, is related to the sale of alcohol. So if somebody like me could find sobriety, um, which I did, I and mean, I've been sober for eight years, then I knew that it was important that I shared that because there's so many people, especially in the hospitality business, we burn the candle on both ends. We work so hard, 80 hours, 90 hour work weeks we're in the hospitality space. It's easy for us to get access to alcohol. Um, It's a way for us to socialize. It's a way for us to unwind. But eventually it got to the point where I was tired of waking up hungover. I was tired of putting myself in a position where I couldn't be my best self in the morning. If I was still drinking, there's no way I would be doing my sunrise gratitude um, walks, my runs, and it's given me a place where I don't have to worry about what my children, my my son's three years old, my daughter's one, um, you know, I can be a better husband, I can be a better father, I can still sell alcohol because it doesn't mean that, you know, alcohol's evil. It's just for me, it's my journey. And my journey meant that I can't, you know, I can't drink it. And that's mm. totally fine with me because I found peace doing that.
0: Yeah. At the end of the day, when you start weighing kind of the pros and cons of it, and, and you realize the long-term implications. That's when you're more able to initiate change and to, to turn yeah. it around. Yeah. Going back to kind of owning a restaurant, what's your advice for small business owners trying to grow their business? And what do you see getting in the way for a lot of people?
1: Nothing is more important than digital. So no matter what small business people have, they need to understand that digital is going to be what will keep them in business, and help them thrive into the future. Uh, We live in an Amazon Prime world, and anybody that doesn't think that can just go ask Blockbuster how they feel about Netflix. And I say that jokingly, but that's the absolute truth. People are streaming. It is The internet is transforming industries like you wouldn't believe, and people still don't believe it. And that's kind of crazy to me to be in a world of 2020 where a small business owner that has a retail space doesn't think it's important that they have their own website doesn't think it's mm. important that, that website is mobile first doesn't think it's important that they're creating content for social media i don't care what people think about facebook or what you think about twitter people discriminate against platforms all the time based off of a personal experience but that doesn't mean that there aren't people there that might learn about your business, learn about your service, learn about your charity, learn about the cause, learn about what you're trying to accomplish. That's what the internet is. People are on their cell phone. My son understands how to use Alexa. My son understands how to use YouTube. He's three. You know What do you think my daughter's going to do? She's going to know it better than my son, quicker than my son. And for us to think that it's not important for our barbecue restaurant to be on every platform that's there would just be naive. It would be very naive. And I think right now is the greatest time for small business owners. They they have such a competitive advantage because you can sell things to the entire world. You know, if somebody listens to our podcast and they care about barbecue and they wanna try our barbecue sauce, I could literally ship them barbecue sauce. Is that gonna be a huge ROI? No, but if that person ever comes to California there's a high, high likelihood that they're going to come to San Diego. And when they get to San Diego, where do you think they're going to eat? They're going to come to spring Valley because they've heard about our restaurant. Uh, I just had a good friend that I met through the podcast. He's listened to every podcast episode of ours. He lives in Washington and he literally is on sabbatical from his work. He drove down all the way down to spring Valley just to come and say, thank you for putting out the podcast. I wanted to try your barbecue. I gave him a whole behind the scenes tour and, you know he probably knows more about me, my family, my business than my staff because he's spent you know hundreds of hours listening to what's happened in my life, you know literally a a journal, but not just me. he's listened to all the guests that I've had on, which have helped him in his 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 own journey, which is i mean that that's that's what it's all about
0: mm, yeah, really connecting with people because you can get really personal on these platforms. It may seem like you know you're talking to you know, nobody, but really,
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: Yeah, you're you're putting yourself out there. And if people want to connect, that's, that's where they can. Mm-hmm. Well, what are your plans with the restaurant? Are you going to grow it? Or how do you kind of create a vision for that?
1: We've never been more confident in our plans for expansion, which is crazy to think it's taken 12 years to get to that point. But I think, you know, really, the COVID-19 has been a proof of concept, something that we knew a long time ago is that digital hospitality is what's going to win. Any brand, any business that starts to embrace all the different touch points that a customer can have online, building a website, creating content is only going to allow them to access our brand better. So we're going to add more barbecue units. We're going to change the way that people expand barbecue, uh, expand restaurant. We're not going to be going after a whole full circle full-service sit-down mm. model it's going to be much more quick casual but it's also going to be slow I mean we cook barbecue low and slow It's the way we build our business it's long periods of time I mean it's a craft you know so mm. it's not fast food it's slow food but it's served fast right. so we're, we're we're doing slow cooked barbecue but we're going to deliver it in a way that's accessible through your cell phone and it's accessible through delivery and it's accessible the highest quality and the quickest way possible.
0: Yeah. It's really becoming maybe location agnostic in a sense and just going digital. I mean, it just sounds to me like being a restaurateur. I mean, you're actually also, not only do you understand your food and your menu, you, you understand how to manage the people, hire the right people. You need to be able to market. Now you have to go on digital. I mean, There's just so many things to juggle. How do you balance all these things?
1: The same way we balance business. It's, you know, the the mantra of how, how do you eat a whale? It's one bite at a time. Same way you boil the ocean one ounce at a time. So you can have grand ideas, but if you don't actually put actionable steps to that, then they're just ideas. So the problem that a lot of people have is decision paralysis, where if I decide to publish a podcast, if I decide to start a YouTube channel, if I decide to make an Instagram account, well, what is this post? My first post has to be the best post. And my second post has to be just as good. And then all of a sudden you haven't posted anything in a week. The whole point is to post. The whole point is to create the content. The whole point is to test. The whole point is to just do a little bit every single day. And then that skill becomes a skill that in 10 years in 12 years when coronavirus hits i can send out a tweet to all the people in our community that's going to get seen by 20,000 people asking them we need your support can you please come in and buy gift cards can you please come in and order to takeout can you please come in and order delivery and have that retweeted by people that have hundreds of thousands of followers millions of followers that actually care about us that tell the story to a bigger audience that didn't happen just because I started a Twitter account today it happened because I tweeted when no one was listening I tweeted and I learned how to tweet I learned how to you know create media content to take better iPhone photos to take better small videos to talk to the camera to you know create a podcast to share you know the local event that's happening down at the local church to help the local firefighters when they have a fundraiser Mm -hmm. all of that stuff is all relationships, you know, those micro relationships that you, when somebody posts, when someone, when three people comment on a a picture that you post responding to the comment, hearting the comment, how easy is it to, to put a heart on a comment? Thank you. It's just a, it's a digital touch point. You know, it's, it's that easy. And then to say something or then to go to their profile and see what they're doing and make a comment, you know, on their page. Mm -hmm. guarantee you, you're going to be one out of a hundred people that probably did that, but took the five seconds to go and look at their page and find out what they're doing. And maybe you can add value to their life. Guess what? They're probably going to care more about your restaurant than any other restaurant.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It's kind of like an accumulation of these really little things and not making it, trying to make it perfect, but rather consistently and putting in effort daily. Yeah. Yeah. No, you didn't have to start a podcast about digital hospitality. I mean, you could have just gone on running your restaurant and and being more successful than pre-COVID. Like what inspired you to share your ideas about digital hospitality and and what's your mission there?
1: The mission is to help other small business owners empower themselves to do what we've been able to do. And that's create opportunities beyond their wildest dreams in whatever industry they're in, to become a thought leader in their industry, to really take advantage of the internet because it's at such a young age. I mean, there's as many people as on the internet, there's just not that much content. And Hmm. that's crazy. That's crazy really? to think when you look at how many people, absolutely. Because look at how many different subject matters there are. I mean, no matter what space you're in, no one has your story. No one has your story in your village, wherever you're from, your city, and in your industry. And nobody's going to combine it the way that you're going to combine it. I mean, our podcast, mm-hmm. is it, it's an evolution of who I am. I care about sports. I talk to sports executives. I talk to athletes. I talk to authors. I love to read. I talk to people that are in media because I want to talk to them. Guess what? No one's ever asked to t- tell, their story. The news anchor, your local news anchor that's on, that has a hundred thousand Instagram followers and 200,000 Twitter followers. Nobody's sat down for an hour and interviewed them to talk about how did they do it? How did they get to where they are? They're more than happy to share that. The only time they get asked is when they go to a career fair, or they go to a local college. They have a story, you know, and how you connect that makes a deeper relationship. For when they're thinking about local restaurants, they're gonna think about us.
0: Mm, I see. Yeah, pre-show, you said, you know, this quote: uh, "Always be branding." I mean, you're right now, yeah. you're wearing your digital hospitality podcast hat. You have a Cali barbecue shirt on. Did you come up with that? Like, where did that come from?
1: You know, it's just—it's always been a fascination for me is that, you know, the the brands that are winning, the brands that are memorable, why are they memorable? What are they doing? And ABB is what we say, which is always be branding. It's you are unique in a certain way. What you do and how you do it is your elevator pitch. It's how people remember you and people, you know, in our local market, people that are my friends, no matter who they are, what they do. When somebody starts talking about podcasts at their office, they're going to think of me because they know that I podcast. They're going to think of me when someone starts talking about barbecue or has a barbecue question. And that could lead to maybe getting a different barbecue guest on, or maybe it could lead to an investor that says, oh, well, I want to hear more about who you are and what you're doing. Guess what? They're going to go on the internet and search Cali BBQ. And when they go to the news tab, when they go to the video tab, when they go to the photo tab, when they go to... the deep search results, there's going to be content there for their heart's desire to vet who we are and what we do. That's the world that we live in. And that's the exciting part. You know, if you don't update your, your Twitter account, if you don't update your Instagram, if you don't update your website, that says about a lot about who you are. That's like not updating your menu at your restaurant, like not updating your operating hours. It's like not updating your sign. You know, if you, if you move locations, what do you have to do? Who are you? How are you evolving? It tells a lot about a business, your responsiveness. Back to what you said. If I send a message, a direct message through Instagram, is there someone that's going to respond to me? How do I get a tape? Are you guys open? I mean, I can't tell you in the last two weeks how many messages on Twitter, Instagram, Yelp, Facebook that I've personally responded to, thanking people for wanting to support us, but saying, unfortunately, no, we're not open. But if you sign up for our email newsletter, you'll be the first to know when we do open. And then I send them a link. That's a direct landing page to our email newsletter. It's a thank you email. They get a free peach cobbler for signing up. They get something for free. They might order something digitally online and they're going to be first on the list when we do open up. That's the digital hospitality. That's keeping things full circle.
0: Yeah. And you're really creating opportunities for people to connect. And then also, you're investing in your future business
1: Mm -hmm. it's something that whenever people are posting on the internet you always the idea is oh i want it to go viral i want to you know have so many people listen to it well that's great that's what broadcasting is broadcast and traditional media you're broadcasting to hundreds millions hundreds of thousands of people depending on the platform Mm -hmm. but really the magic happens in the micro The magic happens in the one-on-one. It's in the comments. It's in the direct messages. And it's, are you actually creating a a relationship in those spaces? Because if you are, I guarantee you, you're part of 5%. 10% would be generous. Just do it as an experiment. All the favorite places you have, send them a direct message on Instagram. See how many respond back to you. I guarantee you the ones that do respond back to you, you'll remember them. And you probably will spend more of your time in your business with them
0: yeah absolutely you're right i mean i think it is something that businesses might play down because it's oh it's only one person or oh it's right but you you immediately stand out when you do that
1: yeah and like that's the that's the thing that people don't understand is that before there used to be so many gatekeepers i mean even with people that are celebrities people that are internet celebrities or actual celebrities their chances are if they're winning in digital hospitality if they're winning and in influencing if they're winning and creating social media content they're probably running their own accounts they might have a team that helps them create content but they're probably running their own accounts and they probably can't respond to every direct message but if your direct message stands out i guarantee you they'll respond to you
0: yeah which
1: is crazy to think like right. it's crazy to think that you might be able to send a message to the rock who you know half of the people on the internet are following him but he might get your message and he might do something about it if, he, if he's somebody that you follow.
0: Somehow it's just such a magical moment when you get that kind of response, right? Like yeah. you immediately feel like, wow, The Rock and I are friends now, you know?
1: Yeah, correct. It becomes your guy. Yeah. It becomes the, your, like whatever The Rock does, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go support it. Great.
0: Right.
1: And it's not that your support is going to mean anything, but imagine if, if he does that 10 times a day, if he does that 15 times a day. Mm-hmm. After a year, look at how many legions of super fans mm-hmm. They already liked him, but the fact that he made that one inter- individual comment, they're gonna screenshot it, post it on Instagram. Other people can go, "Oh my God, that's incredible!" You got the rock to respond to you. Like, yeah. Now those people become fans of his. You
0: know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like that kind of philosophy of start start with the micro connections, the micro relationships, and the micro content. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really interesting. Well, I wanted to like bring it back to your family. Are you you're writing a, a family memoir.
1: I wrote with my grandfather. My grandfather um, he is called The Harvest. Um, how a Bulgarian boy grew wealthy. A Bulgarian farm boy grew wealthy in Mahoya, California. So we published self published that in 2004, and then I got it translated into Bulgarian in 2006.
0: Oh, interesting. Why did he do that? And what did it take?
1: Oh, that was that was all my grandfather. He was the driving force. He just asked me to help. And I, mm-hmm. you know, I helped him to do that. And that was like I said, that was what, uh, 16 years ago. So self publishing has come such a long way. And, yeah. you know, my grandfather was always fascinated by technology. And he, you know, he wasn't good with the computer, but he was always trying to find the next dictation model where he could just talk and then they would type it out for him and to think in 2020 now we actually have dictation software that's very easily done yeah which is a blessing i mean that's that's the the coolest thing about that is that he wanted to publish his life story because it was a remarkable story but he's able to do that with so many people in bulgaria specifically in his village that the village where he read every single book that's in that village is now his book, his book is now in that library for somebody to come and see. and uh, wow. that's something that i'm I'm you know I'm very proud of.
0: Yeah, truly that's that's really coming full circle.
1: So when I take my son and my daughter and my wife and we go and hopefully we'll see um, travel restrictions and all. but um, later this year when we go back to Bulgaria, I get to go and tell my grandfather's story to my son and my daughter, even though they're they're young. Every year, every time we, we go every year. So every time I go, I'm going to tell them more about it. Um, and it's something where they'll, they'll understand where their roots are.
0: Right. No, yeah. That's, it's just so amazing to to understand your own backstory and how, you know, you came to be and and kind of that lineage that comes down and, and passes down to us. Cause I think as Americans, we can forget where we come from, but we all have really interesting roots because America's an immigrant country.
1: Yeah, uh, that's, I I think a lot of the things that are happening in 2020 have a lot to do with our lack of understanding and our lack of depth, our lack of respect for where we all came from, not just where I came from, but where my neighbor came from. And, you know, I'm fortunate that we just, you know, bought a house and a place in San Diego that is very diverse and every single person That lives on my street has a completely different backstory. Um, And the more that we understand those backstories, and the more that we investigate them, the more tolerant we become, the more understanding and the more empathetic.
0: Yeah. And honestly, the depths to which we can even understand ourselves, like, there's so much there already. But to to understand, yeah, everyone on the block, I mean, how many hundreds of stories are there, you know, just within Mm -hmm. a small community?
1: I think that's important too. It's you know you you have to start with yourself and you have to to look from within and understand that you know I back um, during a difficult period in my life when my brother was going through some legal problems, um, I started seeing a therapist and the therapist told me early on because what I what she had realized was that I'm I'm an I'm the the fixer in the family. So if there was ever a problem, I was always the one to fix it. Whether it was for my grandfather, my grandmother, my mom, my brothers. Um, but there was nobody fixing me and I was always neglecting me. What she said is, you know, when you go traveling on a plane, you're traveling with children and they're going through the safety protocol. What do they say when, um, the, the air comes down, Mm -hmm. you know, your natural instinct is to put the the air mask onto both your children that you're traveling with. But if you don't have any oxygen, you're no good to your children. So it's you put the mask on yourself first. And I think that's been a huge metaphor in my life. And knowing that, you know, I, I have to deal with my own sobriety. I have to deal with myself. I have to deal with my sunrise gratitude if I'm going to be strong enough for my wife and strong enough for my kids.
0: That's truly the starting point, like metaphorically and literally in your day. That's where you start every day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for talking so candidly about you know your experiences not only you know running a business with with your online media and wanting to help others but also your personal story and certainly your family has had a huge influence and it's just really good to know that people are talking about things like that that matter like not just business things but also like your your personal experiences so thank you sean no
1: i i appreciate that and i think you know the, the tr- truth vibrates the fastest, and when we're vulnerable as men, when we're vulnerable as women, when we share things that we typically don't share, we tend to get the biggest responses, and why is that? It's because life isn't all about successes. Life, a lot of life is about struggle, but struggles struggle can be beautiful if you're willing to share it you know that some of the greatest stories have become because of struggle and because of tragedy but yeah i'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity and uh, i'm very excited for you to get get going on your podcasting career and um see where see where it goes
0: yeah thank you so much sean absolutely thank you